everyone, it's Alia. And this is Nadia. We're recording here from DC, which we feel is particularly important to mention this week, given that it's one of the major sites of ongoing Black Lives Matter protests, which we have been and will continue to be involved in. It's also a place where the growing military police state is especially visible. Like there have been like tanks and lines of military acting yeah. on protesters. Yeah, and it's today is June 5th. We recorded the episode that's about to start um, a couple weeks ago, and a lot has developed since then. So yeah, we, we didn't want... feel like we could just continue the podcast without talking about this. However, we don't feel that this is the best format to give y'all direct and immediate information about getting involved mm-hmm. in this movement and protests. Um, we think there's more up-to-date resources about that. There is a document called the National Resource List, and it was created by Botanical Dyke. That is the account name on Instagram and Twitter. Please go there to check out the list. It has, for example, t- tips on like if you're detained, uh, legal resources, bail funds, way- other ways that you can help. So check that out. Also go to Twitter and you can type in the hashtag of whatever your city is and protests. So we've been checking DC protests to see what's going on right now, where things are happening. We encourage you all to do that. Um, There are also plenty of ways to help that are not going to protest. And we recognize that it's not safe for everyone to do that. Um, Yeah, what we do want to do on this platform is continue to have long-term conversations about shifting our culture. Uh, We recognize that there has been, um, I guess, a a, a new surge of long-needed conversations about anti-Blackness in Arab and Swana cultures, and also our role in participating in anti-Blackness as immigrants and diaspora folks in the U.S., how sometimes our need or want to by proximity to whiteness has led a lot of immigrant groups to participate in anti-blackness or at least think that fighting against anti-black racism is not our problem. It definitely is. One resource that our friends have helped put together recently for Arabic speakers in particular um, is available on our website and our Instagram. Thank you to Spike and Adam for doing this translation. Basically, they recognize that a lot of new resources on Arab anti-blackness were only written in English, so they kind of took some of the major points from a variety of sources and put together a really handy Arabic translation that you can find in image, PDF, or text form, whatever works for you. We encourage you to share it and also drop it into your family WhatsApp chats and try to start conversations in circles beyond the bubble in which you normally have them. And also, if you or someone you know would like to use this platform to talk about Arab and Swana blackness or um, anti-blackness and racism within Arab and Swana cultures, let us know. Uh, We want to create conversations. Welcome to the Queer Arabs Podcast. Wait, let me restart. <laughs> Why did I make that? That was cool. Yeah. Do it should again. I try, should I try again? Okay. Welcome to the Queer Arabs Podcast. This is Alia. This is Nadia. And we are the Queer Arabs. That's me trying to have intonation wow. for once. I hope you noticed. <laughs> um, today we have a very special guest on, one of our good friends. Um, hey, can you introduce yourself? Tell about your entire life in two seconds. Um, As bonus, you can use intonation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, but you can just, like, explain, like, what you do. Anything about your background that you want to share. There went all the intonation. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll try the intonation. Hello. My name is Nibal Mesut. I am a queer Arab composer. I am um, from Lebanon. And... I do uh, music composition that spans uh, multiple genres. Uh, My work mainly focuses on spirituality across um, multiple religions, but also through religious history um, in my compositions. In my writing, I tend to focus on uh, bringing ideas that express hard truths, um, hard and difficult truths to understand. I 
firmly believe that we are in one of the most propagandized and abusive cultures in the world. And so I see truth telling as a radical act in itself. And the goal of my writing is usually to acknowledge that truth so that we can move towards collective healing and empowerment. And then finally, I do general content creation. I have, um, I'm working on developing my own podcast that's exploring niche subcultures across different art forms. And yeah, uh, I'd say overall, a lot of my work, what I do and who I am revolves around finding truths and on uh, authenticity in both myself and my culture. Awesome. Um, for listeners, um, where can people listen to you on your podcast? So the podcast will be up on my website, nivalmesud.com. I'm still working stuff out. COVID really messed everything up. Um, it tends and, to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the people I was planning to interview, you know, some lost their jobs, some have been completely overwhelmed with their school projects, adjusting to online classes. Others just, you know, said it was like, I'm, I like just can't do this right now. And myself as well. My job actually ended up doubling in this work. Mm. So the podcast is kind of on a hiatus right now. I guess it's not really since it hasn't started yet, but it's delayed. Um, But it will be up soon. But uh, you can definitely check out my writings um, at uh, newmusicbox.com. Just search my name on New Music Box. I'm also on Medium. and you can check out my music on my website, nivalmesud.com. Awesome. Um, and you did the, you started these music bo- new music box articles a year ago, right? Uh, yes. Uh, there was one for each week of June. Okay. Okay. Um, Do you so... want to talk us through like which topics they were about and um, what reception you got? Yeah. So, yeah. So this was a series of four articles. And at that time, I was really and was struggling to figure out how I fit with classical music and how I don't. So I am classically trained. I you know, uh, went to conservatory for undergrad and um, found that grad school ended up being a, an impossibility because of systemic barriers. If you don't have money, you just, uh, mm-hmm. they, they, they seem to only give scholarships to some very specific folks who are almost always white. Uh, so I ended up, you know, facing a ton of barriers and uh, came, started to realize uh, that classical music in particular is one of the most racist uh, fields as a culture. So I explored that idea and tried to figure out why is classical music in particular or classical music communities in particular so racist and it really got me thinking about what role does classical music play in our society today, how it fits in with capitalism. And over the series of four articles, the first one goes through how, uh, it's called Am I Not a Minority? And it uh, details this idea I called uh, trickle-down diversity, which is uh, very prevalent in classical music where uh, there's this belief that giving the most access to the folks who are the least oppressed first will somehow trickle down to those most affected. Um, And, you know, another term for that is also white feminism, or Mm -hmm. uh, it's very similar, where, um, you know, there are are a lot of these uh, diversity panels and such where uh, diversity seems to stop at white women. a lot of these folks and they uh with the belief that if we give more access to white women first then light-skinned people of color will be next and then uh some point ten thousand years in the future maybe we can start considering dark-skinned people of color and black folks of course that's not how it works just like trickle down economics that's not how it works at all what ends up happening is a reinforcement of white supremacy through um, appropriating diversity while also maintaining white, uh, yeah, while maintaining white supremacy by still essentially not allowing people of color and, you know, 
further increasing discrimination by refusing to acknowledge the existence of women of color and treating pe people of color as uh, folks who are genderless or below gender. So it's like there's white men, white women, and then people of color to these folks. Yeah, right. um, I feel like another right. phrase that gets thrown around with this kind of thinking is like, wait your turn. Like, yeah, exactly. That's, that's not, oh, like, it, we do one step at a time. You need to be waiting your turn. And it's like, for how why? long? And <laughs> yeah. why? And how long are we? Yeah. How like, long are we What talking? is the logic yeah. to that? Waiting yeah. for who? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who who has the who's directing who's keeping track of time directing this line right <laughs> yeah yeah and then the the two middle articles explored my understanding of how colonialism affected music within my culture so I I'm Lebanese but I'm also Druze we have our own subculture there mm -hmm. and you know it's explored sort of uh, how my family reacted to me being a classical musician. Um, and the effects of that, and then also my own journey trying to figure out and learn the history of Arabi music and learn the music theory and practices of, uh, yeah, my own culture, our culture. And then the final article uh, was by far the most, most mm -hmm. viral one. It was called It's Time to Let Classical Music Die. And the idea behind that piece is that classical music, as it exists today, its function within our capitalist society is to uphold white supremacy and uphold the facade that whiteness in general has a culture. Right? Um, it combines the artistic diversity and tries to create it into one thing, and then it puts places itself up as the most sublime and the most um the most and the best music in the world and everything else is below it that is the belief that perpetuates the funding and therefore the validity and continuation of classical music people contribute to classical music people contribute money to classical music because they believe it is the best genre um, and many of these people believe that it is the best genre because it is the whitest genre yeah, yeah, and um, it comes with this um, like assumption of universality too. Like I, I compare right. what you say a lot to like conversations about ballet, and there's this saying that gets thrown around a lot in like dance education, like ballet is the foundation of dance. Which, if you think about it, doesn't yeah. even make sense in terms of timeline. Like, right. <laughs> like, <how could laughs> but but people did a lot of types of dance before ballet was a thing. How could that possibly? be true and like what do we even think of as classical like in a very broad sense like anything that's an established tradition anywhere could be called classical yeah right? the definition right. but right. but we decide that um white people's or european people's music defined at a particular period of time is the one we're just going to call classical with no like yeah. further distinction of right. who's yeah. classical yeah. when classic when is it classical right and in like exactly. the music education system and i'm sure dance too in like very widespread it's you have all of these classes focused on this and then maybe like one quote world music class all everything else thrown into that one semester and i think like world like, music is hilarious because yeah. like I, I think most music <laughs> takes place in the world on earth <laughs> yeah <laughs> As far as I'm aware, like right. maybe some people are doing stuff in space. Like maybe space has its own music. We don't know. But um, a lot but of like... music takes place in the world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it is fascinating how one semester can cover the rest of Earth. <laughs> um, yeah, that is. I don't know. Maybe like oh. classical music is from the heavens and. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I mean. Mozart wrote the Jupiter Symphony. Maybe it's all in Jupiter. Yeah. Yeah. So did Holst. He probably went there. Yeah. Holst right? wrote. Holst also. There you go. <laughs> we solved it. We solved the whole question. Why didn't you just come the moonlight to the and if all we could have solved it in a second? Um, wow. I know. So do you want to talk about, I know you've probably had to talk about this a lot. Um, 
Do you want to talk about the reception you got to the article? Sure. So it's actually, you, you know, I actually haven't gotten much of an opportunity to talk about the reception. Really? Um, Interesting. Because okay. in interviews and stuff like that, um, folks were more interested in the uh, content in it. Um, there were several, you know, white folks who were like, how could you say that? Um, and, um, you know, a lot of folks, I think there was a lot of um, initial shock to the radicalism of the piece. And I will admit, it was a radical piece. The comment, the last comment I made, or the last post I made on social media before this piece was released was, I am afraid for my life with what I'm writing. Um, but I, it's going back to that hard truth, right? I knew it to be the truth. Um, mm -hmm. And... I knew it was a truth that had to be expressed. And so the first thing I'll say about the reception is that so many people of color reached out to me and we actually, I would say uh, it did help further this call for further unity um, and coalition building among various people of color within um, who exist within the Western classical music framework. And, you know, what I, part of my call in uh, that article is for us to divest essentially from classical music as it functions and as it's funded um, and for us to create our own system. Um, and I do believe that when people of color leave classical music, it will, it will crumble. It, it depends on our labor. That's amazing. So that's where the, that, that you got people really like, taking your call to action and reaching out to you and saying that it um, really spoke to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it made the rest of the reactions definitely <laughs> worth it. Um, yeah, so the other side of that was, um, you know, I, th there, I think there were like 400 comments on the initial post or something like that. There was, there was 500 comments and counting in like this Wind Band Directors Facebook group on Twitter, it just exploded. And the interesting thing is that this piece seemed to have exposed how closely aligned actual white supremacist and Nazi groups are to classical music. There were several folks who commented something along the lines of, I am a classical musician. This is what I've learned all my life. And, um, I also believe in the supremacy of the white race, like straight up saying stuff like that. You're like, you're yeah. kind of validating my article yeah. <laughs> with your comments. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, they yeah. keep going. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're... Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm getting excited and forgetting that this is a podcast being recorded. So you can't, <laughs> I can't do the like thing of like interrupting and interjecting. You can. Oh, no, we can. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah. But, um, where was it? Um, act, uh, active white supremacists making comments. Oh, <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> those drums. Yeah, um, yeah. So basically, I have received targeted harassment um, from a whole bunch of groups, kind of on off for the past year. It seems to have it seems to have been like ongoing, or like it just keeps coming back every time I think it's done. There have been folks who went up to my Facebook page and uh, said stuff like, fuck you, Beethoven forever. Um, and, wow. The poetry right? in that is just astounding. <laughs> I know. And the funny thing is, like, I like I was listening to Beethoven when I got that. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I'm, not, I'm not writing off Beethoven as out of my life <laughs> yeah what? i think okay i think okay a couple things going on here like one that's terrible yeah. two like yeah. i just want to say like reading through some of these comments they're like at first you think they might be trolls and then you keep reading and it's like nope this is a totally is genuine white supremacist and then i want to I... mention that like one of the commenters is using the name richard wagner yeah. so it's like yep you are yeah. you are definitely cementing that connection yeah um yep and then, okay, on, like, a genuine, not, okay, don't want to give predatory white supremacists too much, like, credit, but I think, like, on a genuine, like, not understanding your point, 
level, like, you were not making commentary about Beethoven or any particular, like, piece of music being the source of, or, like, yeah, yeah, upholding white supremacy, though it might be, but it's, like, the whole idea and construct of classical music, the idea that this music has Mm -hmm. to be elevated about above all other types of music um right absolutely and And, though there were like definitely radical things in what you were saying i was also kind of surprised by the reaction because in some ways it's not that radical right like it's just logical you know yeah yeah absolutely like um yeah no go ahead go ahead yeah no uh yeah, I, I mentioned in the article that you know you can still love, you can still love the music produced by uh, the composers that we label as classical, and there there certainly does exist racist music. If you look at the wind band world, you know there is there are there is a lot of music out there whose sole intention is to other and exotify, exoticize and other other cultures um, and uh, yeah cultures that are non-Western to place them as a cartoonish caricature that is opposed to um, a more refined white supremacy, according to these folks, these composers. Um, That is so prevalent in the band world, that's very prevalent in a lot of French romantic music. Um, One example is like Lorient or L'Occident by Cesson, um, which is literally just like the West and the East. Um, It's really gross um oh i don't know if so there know. is okay it's really gross the title doesn't um, sound like a good start no no <laughs> i like your carnival of the animals why can't you just like stick to that <laughs> anyway but yeah, wait is there um, some racist meaning behind carnival of animals too actually is there i, I, I don't know. i don't know of one but maybe we I should just check there. yeah maybe before i keep like Love loving it too much. <laughs> I, you know, I am I've pretty never thought about that. That's very racist. No, totally. I mean, like, yeah. we're talking carnival of the animals. Is there some right. additional meaning behind it? Um, I am not aware of any. Let's look this up later just to check. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Shit. Okay. Anyway. anyway sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're treating this kind of as just like a regular conversation with you that we have like That's all the fine. time. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're recording. That's fine. Our conversations are valuable. Yeah, yeah I hope the people listening think so too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know if like a lot of these commenters weren't reading the article or they just were not, it wasn't sinking in what it was about or what um what was making all these people defensive but it definitely yeah the reception was quite surprisingly passionate Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah god i mean i don't know like this this person uh, who uses the name richard wagner like that was kind of terrifying realizing like you start reading it and you're like oh this is satire and no it's not. It's entirely genuine. Yeah. yeah. Talking about, yeah. like, white erasure. How you are here causing white erasure. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other... They're trying to exterminate white children. Oh, right. Right. Or uh, they said, like, um, they said using the term racist or racism is a, is a, a slur, slur against, against white people. Against white people. Like, yeah. 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 Um, this is what we're talking about. <laughs> right. Y'all. Yeah. Yeah, no, when when I said like uh classical music um is functionally uh as a community, as a culture, and in much of its repertoire, although not all of it, it is racist and it reinforces, you know, capital W white supremacy. Yeah, it's not like there's there's no there's no subtlety to the racism. Yeah. Um, and if and if you're on the outside looking in, 
when I share some of the experiences I've had being gaslit and abused, and uh, just a fair warning, in the article I do compare, I, I do make the statement um, that uh, people of color are in an abusive relationship with classical music and uh, talk actually quite a bit about our Stockholm syndrome um, mm -hmm. with it. And I do believe it's literal. I do believe that entering into classical music as a person of color, you experience um, literal abuse. Uh, mm -hmm. And you kind of get used to it. But uh, when I explain what, yeah, when, you know, if you're on the outside looking in, what you see is straight up white supremacy. You see like straight up like straight up people with Nazi ideals or and straight up Nazis then um, mm -hmm. who uh, are seen and recognized, accepted and have power inside this field. Right. Uh, we talked a little bit about this, but um, OK, I definitely want to talk more about like the field in general. Later, I'm also interested in like what you were talking about, where how you still engage with music that's considered classical music, and you still have like attachment to your own classical training. Uh, what's like your perspective or take on, um, or I don't know, just your current feelings on engaging with traditions that like we know are harmful or racist or rooted in ideas we don't fully believe in um but we're still there's still things that we love about them or still things that we're attached to them right yeah that's that's an excellent question um i think like everyone has to decide for themselves how to engage with this musical repertoire personally i there are some musics i will not engage with um, and that's how I know I can't be a performer. Like there will be situations where I will be forced to play Wagner um, and I absolutely won't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, there are plenty of compositions where I just won't play. But part of what I feel is the advantage of being an amateur is that I can play whatever music I want and I can interpret whatever music I want. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you know, I've been think going back and forth on whether there is a separation between an art and artist, whether that's possible. Mm -hmm. I do think you can do it to some extent, but it's just that the people arguing to separate the art from the artist aren't actually doing that. Because uh, sometimes that requires fundamentally changing the music, and changing the meaning of the piece. Um, and if you change the fundamental meaning of a piece, it's going to be less effective. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, I think about the music that I connect with and I you know spend a lot of time thinking why do I connect with this music why do I love it um, a lot of the music I really connect with are I have a couple things one is that I really love counterpoint I really love hearing many different things being played at once and I I really love musical architecture um, so I listen to Bach um, quite a bit, but I also have to accept that he was really anti-Semitic um, and, you know, I, I'm not going to be one of the people to praise him, right? Mm -hmm. I, his, his music is um, extraordinary to me. Um, but at the same time, if I were given a time machine and someone offered me to go back in time and have a conversation with Bach, I would say no because he's probably going to yell at me and try to get me to convert to Christianity. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. out. Um, yeah, but I do also love how he uses religious, religious symbolism to build architecture in his music. And so yeah. I'm not going to ignore that technique and just say it was like, oh, the, throw the whole thing in the trash. Um, but I do see part of my responsibility as a composer is to like take this technique and say, was like, okay, I'm going to build on this. I'm not going to build on him, but I'm going to take what this composer did. I'm going to take their techniques. I'm going to continue learning and I'm going to do it right. Uh, I'm going to make sure that I put in my own values, uh, into my own music 
and I'm going to be very deliberate about what will influence me and what will not. So, uh, yeah, and that takes a lot of hard work, a lot. It does. Um, after I was done with music school, I was so burned out and I don't really, at the time I, I didn't really place what it was. I thought it was just like, okay, school is hard. I need a break. But I also, um, when reflecting on it and realizing just how limited the experience truly was, um, and that, like, being told for your entire life um, that, like, you are not valid unless you are focusing on, like, for example, this this version or this definition of classical music like being told that your whole life um it wears on you in ways that you don't even see because it's just the narrative that you're fed this whole time um and then i left school after graduating i just like left that all behind went and did completely other things didn't play for years and then coming back to it i joined this um middle eastern band and like learned completely different things like learned makamat and like changed the tuning of my violin to do so and while that was a very valuable experience it was also telling to see like how completely separate the two experiences were um, I had to relearn how to play because I'm like, it's new fingering, new, new string tunings, everything. Um, and yeah, just that lack of like integration of music that is not particularly like, specifically European, not having that integrated into our education system is very limiting. It's damaging. It, like you said, it promotes this white supremacy um within the field it tells you that everything else is like of lesser value when in fact all of it takes intellect and skill and hard work and practice um so i don't know that was just like that that progression or that like order of experiences was extremely eye-opening and you bringing this into such a public discussion i think is extremely valuable like the article you wrote is very important i'm glad it reached people of color who needed to know that like someone someone's there thinking about all this and like um I don't know. I know it's hard. It's hard to like put yourself out there and um you know, all, all I mean all of this feedback that you got from literal Nazis like that had to have been terrifying. I I don't know. Maybe like yeah. I I just can't believe like what you put up with. What you had to put up with just bringing this into discussion. Yeah, and um, like like, like what you're saying about being able to very deliberately choose what techniques and ideas you want to take from certain types of music and what ideas you mm -hmm. definitely want to leave behind, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's been totally. like really fruitful. But also I totally understand like if people are like, no, I can't separate this. Like uh -huh. I these techniques are too associated in my mind with... Yeah like this trauma I've experienced in this discipline or with this history and like like yeah. Alia, if you just had to walk away from it for a bit like yeah I mean I, I also think about the similar ideas with dance like what do I want to keep from my classical dance training and what do I not want to keep from it but also mm -hmm. I like as much as I don't want to throw the baby away with the bathwater so to speak I get why some people do like I get why some people just need for themselves to totally walk away from it yeah. yeah yeah it does take some it takes a very um i don't know just a, a lot of thought like 
Um, I, I, yeah, I, I still don't, I don't, I, I still don't have like a answer. If someone were to ask me this question, I wouldn't have a solid answer yet. Um, I like how you put it for yourself. Um, I remember like a few months ago when you and I, Nibal, we played a Bach piece together and we were like, it's kind of cool to, you know, the two of us, like, bringing our own personal, not necessarily interpretation, but, like, just kind of reclaiming this part of our education and collaborating with each other on it um, was, it felt, something about that felt good. I was like, okay, I'm playing yeah. with someone else who, like, fully understands um, the, you know, what, what we're talking about right now. Right. And, and that was, that was really nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm really glad we got to do that before this calamity. God, we just started, <laughs> yeah, we just started playing together and then this all happened. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I'm with you, Nadia. Um, uh, and that's like I kind of part of like what I was trying to say with the article is that like um, I do believe that genres are defined most uh, less by the music itself. There are certainly, I mean, certainly like the music itself is like a big part of it, mm -hmm. but I feel like they're more defined by the communities inside of them. You know, that's why this is sort of like a complete breaking away, but also not a breaking away. You know, what you and I did, Alia, was. Um, more like a break away from classical music as a genre because we are we break away from that community yeah. um, right um mm -hmm. and at, at the same time it's like everyone has the right to choose what what um music to engage with um and what not to engage with and for some they can say it was like and i, I was there for a while where um a couple years actually after i graduated i said it was like I, I I was looking at the entire Western canon and I said it was like I, I can't take any of this well I won't um, and that's how I started working mm -hmm. and doing research in um, you know Arabi music and Makam um, and Arabi mm -hmm. theory yeah do you want to talk more about your um, experiences learning that yeah so I am mostly self-taught and all of that um, mm -hmm. I you know, I've been talking to my family about how I have this dream of, um, you know, going to Lebanon and spending a year there uh, to really study and um, master the old as much as I can. Um, and I know fully well because I can already I can already hear some of the like um, uh, Arabic musicians being like, "You can't learn this in here." I know. <laughs> <laughs> there, but because. They, it, it makes some people angry because um, there are, are so many white academics who totally think that. Uh, there are so many people who do that. They like go to the Middle East. Um, to them, probably it could be anywhere in the Middle East. Um, it's all the same anyway. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they come back and then end up teaching in universities about what they learned. Right. They're like, um, I found myself in the desert when I was there for a month. <laughs> No, exactly. Yeah. I learned Arabic exactly. in Jordan. <laughs> and and the Oud. And the Oud. Yeah. Right. I'm a master. <laughs> but they actually say that. That's the thing. No, my girlfriend, the white belly what? dancer. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um so yeah, I want to go for a year myself. Um but also course like constantly continuing and constantly learning more i don't really have intentions of becoming like a professional performer um i just kind of want to play and do my own thing but i'm mostly interested in music theory at seeing how i can create my own thing my own music which i see as being genreless and borderless um uh, yeah and seeing how um uh ought to be music theory uh can really inform my music and mm -hmm. be create a sense of authenticity um, and like clarity, honesty, um, and 
also give myself a connection to my own culture, my own ancestry, um, yeah. and my own traditions. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Do you um, have a sense of who you would want to study with in particular, or that's still in? <laughs> that's still up in the air. <laughs> my dad. My dad said um, that he had, uh, I forget which one of the Rahbani brothers was, but um, he, he said he had a dream where I was studying with one of them. Um, and uh, so uh, <laughs> that's like the top tier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. But, it wasn't um... a dream. So yeah, right. no. <laughs> you know how yeah. that goes. <laughs> Yeah. I've had some dreams but, that I'm like, oh, this seems far-fetched, and then it happens. <laughs> you, never, right? you never know. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, cool. I I do hope that can happen. Um, love. I would love that for you. So we've been talking um, a lot about the culture of classical music, but I know that you've also had a lot of interaction and issues with new music worlds. Um, which yeah. it's, it's kind of its own brand of yeah shit and white supremacy and like I, I would definitely compare that to contemporary dance which yeah like I think both of them have like a veneer of like wokeness and we're different yeah. and we're progressive mm-hmm. but on some level it's it's not it's the same yeah the same old shit with new clothes mm-hmm. on Right. Both fields have ah. so much of the same, like, mm-hmm. so many parallels. Um, so, like, I don't know. Do we want to get into this discussion that we had talked about that occurred on Facebook recently? Because we have a very solid example of what we're talking about. Um, this also ties back to this, like, issue of white feminism that we brought up for a sec at the beginning of this episode. Um, so Nibel, do you want me to read a couple of these quotes from this thread? Um, then we can like discuss them. Yeah. Um, I would say, uh, if it's okay, I would like to read a quote actually from my article because it gives like the perfect context, um, for, uh, this thread. So, you know, yeah. Cool. So I just have this like one paragraph. Okay. And I said, um, it's time for us to recognize that engaging with these institutions, that contributing to the belief that our participation in composer diversity initiatives is doing anything to reshape the institution of classical music, and that classical music is an agent of cultural change instead of a placeholder to prevent composers of color from forming our own communities, is ultimately furthering colonization and prevents us from creating artwork capable of real, genuine expression. Um, and that's, I feel like that's uh, an important truth to keep in mind, yeah. um, because the you, what this thread is is basically um, the institution of the band world in this case. Yeah. Um, so it was yeah. about this panel, right? Um, I don't know if you want to get specific about what the panel was who was involved, um, I'll let you summarize what, what it was about in however you feel comfortable. Right. Um, so yeah, there were two panels. Um, the first was a national panel of at least 10 people. Um, and it was all white and that's kind of where this problem started. Yeah. Um, and doesn't the post include the terms diversity and inclusion? The second one does. Oh, okay. the second yes. one. Okay. Um, what yeah. was the topic of the first panel, if you want to specify? Um, it was something about like adjusting to online classrooms for like wind band education. Oh yeah, only, so only didn't... white people adjust to <laughs> online education. Clearly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um... That's a really specific experience to white people. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> And no, I saw that, um, and I messaged a couple people, and I was like, this is really not okay. Um, and it's also like the entire who's who of the band world. Uh, like, so these were all, this was basically all the people that have all of the power. Uh, uh-huh. 
And, and also, so... I, sorry, not to interrupt too much, but sometimes when it's panels like that on a very relatable topic that applies to people on like all levels of the profession, and then the panel includes like only people with the most money, resources, and power, like... it's like. How is this going to help me adjust to my right. online teaching? How are you going like, to relate to the rest is, of us? Is, yeah. do, do you even have the most relevant thing to say to most people listening yeah. to this? Do you have, like, issues with, like... Your internet. Resources. Yeah. <laughs> like, lacking, lacking certain resources. Does your internet go out? Because yeah. right. that's what happens when I teach Zoom classes Or, like, sometimes. for dance, it's probably, like... Not everyone is at like in this huge Has house this, yeah, with yeah. like tons of space. <laughs> well, anyway, exactly. yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then the second panel was it like the same people? No, um, okay. there were there were some of the same people. Um, this was uh, these are um, a lot of them are members of uh, this organization called. And, you know, I have never really said anything about them or against them. Yeah. Um, I will just say that, you know, everyone is free to go to that website and look at the makeup of the board. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's a quote that I saw in the thread. When someone mentioned, hey, so everyone on this panel that says diversity and inclusion, everyone is white. And then someone backs the backs up the panel by saying, we made a disclaimer at the beginning of our panel that we understood our collective privilege of being mostly white and cisgendered, and that our views and experiences do not reflect or encapsulate all marginalized people. Um, and then this panel was brought together because we are all part of diversity and inclusion initiatives and programs. We know we don't have all the solutions, but we're working very hard to advocate and educate our field as best we can. But apparently, this is my own comment, like, apparently that doesn't include, like, talking to folks. You, you're saying that you're talking working. Talking to people with, like, color. Yeah. Also, I don't know. There's, like, I, like, oh, but we checked our privilege. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, okay. I I think some people don't... got the memo about that as like a social norm and didn't yeah. understand anything more Else. about that. Like yeah. they just got the idea that you're just supposed to publicly acknowledge your privilege and not the idea that like yeah. you're supposed to leverage it in solidarity with other people or yeah. like any right. anything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they make it. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. This is like um. They make it very obvious that uh, everything they say in these panels is completely ingenuine. Because uh, yeah. they're missing the first step, which is uh, listen to and have compassion for people of color. They're just yeah. like, they're trying to skip that step and instead further their own career mm -hmm. by essentially appropriating our work. Uh, that's, yeah. you know, like I say in the comments, like they're not allies, they're not doing anything for us. They're making things worse. Yeah. Um, and this was, it was about like women in the composing world, right? From what I understand. They said uh, the post was about diversity. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. And then the thread goes into like, oh, these people on this panel are women. They are often oppressed as a group. And like, you can't discount that while... <laughs> It's like, okay, w women who are also POC also exist. So maybe. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Mind blown. Like, I know. That's like multitasking. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, um, no. <laughs> wow. It's so many. How do they do it? How do they do it? Um, and then someone writes, it, someone in a comment was like, it would be great if underrepresented folks in our field, which I guess they meant women, just women, like white women. So it would be great if underrepresented folks in our field would quit having to carry the entire burden of diversity and inclusion. It's not helpful or productive to shit on people that are doing the work. Uh, wait, no, I want to talk about this one because I, I don't yeah. interpret it as the like underrepresented people being the white women. I interpret it as like 
taking a valid idea and twisting it like the idea that like for instance people of color shouldn't be responsible for doing all the education on racism and being like yeah these people are allies they should do some of the work but like here's the thing Let's mm-hmm. talk about what's a burden and what's an opportunity. I mean, this sounds like a pretty high-profile, paid panel that is going to do more to advance people's career than being a burden. I don't think... There's... Yeah. There, there, like, I, that, there is a valid type of logic going on that this person is using, which applies more to like when yeah. you ask people of color to be the unpaid consultants. Or when they are, like, the lowest paying, most outwardly facing part of an organization that also ends up doing all the anti-racism work. Mm -hmm. Not when you have this nice, shiny panel that is going to give people a career boost. Yeah. Exactly. Um, And I should add this disclaimer. So the first panel was all white. So this, um, the first panel was about access, and the second panel was about diversity. Yeah. And it had one white passing woman of color in it. For a diversity panel, in my opinion, almost no one in a diversity panel should be white. Like, um, yeah. yeah, and that's but, like a yeah. very large panel. Like that's, yeah, that's a lot mm-hmm. of people to have. Just, Almost um, all no. of them be white. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's another like valid conversation we should have about like should any white people be on diversity panels and which ones and blah blah blah. But like this is not even right. about that borderline of debate. This is like literally almost everybody is white here. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um the panel was uh smaller the second panel was smaller than the first. The second panel was five people, I believe. Okay. Um, but still, the was majority on a diversity and inclusion panel being white is right. You know, still there. It was, yeah, I think it was like uh, three white women, one white passing, one of color, and one white man. I think that's what it was, okay. which is still unacceptable for yeah, a diversity. Totally. Panel. Yeah. This reminds me of a particular panel I was at, or we were both. At, at a particular performing arts conference <laughs> where the topic was um, <laughs> presenting Arab artists and there were three white men and one Egyptian woman on that <laughs> panel. Oh, yep. <laughs> oh, that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> it was French, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, a nice touch. <laughs> cherry on top. Thanks all for listening. That was part one of a two-part episode. Both are being released today. Check out the second part.